Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Highly Functional. This is Brianne Showman, and I'm joined today by a very good friend and colleague of mine, Santi. He is a physical therapist in Florida who works with the athletic population, and we had a great discussion about what it means to be a resilient athlete, how we become a a resilient athlete, and why we need to do things to make us adaptable to our environment. This is a great episode if you are an athlete, if you are a coach, or if you are a clinician to pick up some great information on how to train for yourself as well as how to train the others around you. So let's tune in. Santi, thank you for joining me. How are you? I'm doing awesome, thank you. So I am super excited to get you on here. Um, We've talked a lot off air as far as creating resilient athletes, creating resilient humans, even more importantly. Um, Talked about the adaptability of humans and just how we really need to train in a variety of ways to be able to function in all aspects of life. So that's what we want to talk about. I want to dive into that today and I'm super excited. Awesome. So let's first kind of just talk about what you do, the population you work with, and kind of how you came to work with that population. I'm going to serve, I I help anybody that's a human, number one, right? But for the most part, um, I live in Gainesville, work out of a place called the Athlete's Den, but I also go to a lot of different boxes to help either instruct coaches and help them better, or also treat the patient at the box. So uh, most of the people that I see, you know, general stuff that you that we all see, you know, my back hurts, my shoulder hurts for the most part. But yeah, I do, any any athlete really, recently it's been a lot of crossfitters and uh, a lot of runners and ultra runners. So I usually end up treating a lot of ultra runners. And those are always exciting because they're like, Santi, fix me. And you're like, well, number one, I don't fix people. I just optimize <laughs> your body. And two, once you race, and they're like, this weekend. <laughs> Amazing, right? I'm sure you get that a lot, right? Yes, very often. <laughs> So when we're talking about creating these resilient humans, we're talking about adaptability. I know it's very general, it's very vague, but as a, kind of a general, what does that mean to you, like making someone more adaptable or more resilient? For me, I like to follow the KISS principle. If anybody doesn't know what that is, it's usually keep it simple, stupid. I don't like to call myself any names, right? So I like to say, keep it simple, Santi. (laughs) And if it's a student or somebody like that, then I will say, keep it simple, student. And when it comes to adaptability, it's just like anything, it's it's going to take time. We are in a society where we kind of want it now, and we want to just compare ourselves to people either on Instagram or on a YouTube channel. And all of a sudden, we want to be able to try that, and we don't realize that what you're seeing is somebody that has worked towards that over many, many years. So I think that we just have to get out of our head and stop comparing and then just understand that we are all at a different level. And as long as you start somewhere where, uh, well, I guess you need a box where you have good coaches that can help you find where you need to start and help you feel comfortable with not comparing yourself to the elite athletes in the mm-hmm. box right and then welcome you so that way you can start working and feel comfortable working at a, at a lower level but the body's in charge the cells are in charge and it doesn't matter how hard you do how hard you work or you know ultimately the body's going to take a certain amount of time to heal to adapt for whatever stress you put on you so it's really all about finding a good balance between stressing the body but then also giving the body time to recover so that we can then build that resilient body. Otherwise, if you don't do that, then eventually things will start to break down. Mm -hmm. A lot of my athletes, what I tell them is, 
let's build calluses, not blisters. That makes sense. So I always tell my, you know, let's just build some calluses, not blisters. And I, and I explain to them what that means. And then they kind of get it when I when I kind of break it into that, those terms. I'm like, if you go ahead and try to do way too many pull-ups all at once, you're going to get blisters. It's going to hurt. You're not going to be able to train. Or you're going to have to maybe mask it by putting gloves on or something. But it doesn't, it, it doesn't mean that your skin is going to be tough, right? Um, but if you do a little bit every day, eventually build those calluses and you'll be able to you know, the same thing happens with the muscles, with your tendons, with your bones, everything. Awesome. So you mentioned as far as, you know, if they have good coaches at the boxes, that they can kind of help through that. What if someone, and, it, and it's hard to say, you know, going into a new box is hard to say exactly, but what if you, maybe the coaches aren't as good at modifying or knowing those different scales, or maybe you're just starting to work out and going to the gym. What are some ways that someone can kind of know if they're doing too much or if they, you know, what their limits are? I mean, the important thing with that is just understanding where, where you're at, like being okay with knowing what you don't know and being okay with that and, and not trying to go beyond your scope of what you know. So don't be afraid of asking somebody for help and to help teach you so you can become better. You, know, you should only you should always work on yourself. However, when, when it comes to communicating to the athletes or the coaches, just understanding that if you're not at that place, then find somebody that can help you or can help your client. And your client will value that because they'll feel like they have a team behind them rather than somebody that if you continue to do what you're doing, let's just say you're not sure how to modify things and the person starts hurting, then now they're gonna view that pain as your fault, right? Rather than, and, and they might, then you might lose a member, you know, or you might lose a, an athlete at your, at your gym or at your box. So it's very important to seek those who may be able to help you understand how to modify or, or, or maybe know a little bit more in depth how the body works to help you out and not be afraid of being like, I don't know, teach me. You know, just having an open mind to learn from everybody. And of course it happens both ways, right? You have a lot of people that in our world, in the physical therapy world, we, we get, you know, reamed all the time and, and, and close-minded PTs that are like, ah, oh, you shouldn't do that, you shouldn't do this. And really they're, they're also not being close-minded because they don't try it or they don't understand it. It doesn't mm -hmm. mean you have to bash it. So I feel like as a community, as a humans, we need to just kind of help each other out and, and try to understand each other. And, and that's, that's the key to things, just... You know, learning and making yourself better, but also if you're if you're talking about another human that you're trying to help out, whether it's getting getting them stronger or, or helping them reach their goals, knowing how you can best help them if you can't, where to find that help. Awesome. Let's go into the adaptability part, or just making someone a little bit more adaptable. Adaptability is essentially just being able to undertake anything that comes at you in life, basically. As an athlete, we've been going working out for a while. How do we make ourselves more adaptable? What does that mean for us? Let's go CrossFit gym first. We'll get to the runners in a second. But in the CrossFit gym, what can we do to become more adaptable? How can we challenge our bodies a little bit differently? Well, the number one thing is listen to your body, right? And because obviously a lot of the workouts are very intense. So just understanding that if you listen to your body after a certain workout and it, it wasn't like, hey, I'm kind of sore. If you're like, holy shoot, man, I can't, can't walk for three days, I'm really, really sore, then communicate with your coaches so that way they can modify it for you or, or give you different options. Soreness is, is fine, but you don't want to have a soreness where you're in such severe pain that you can't walk. And that's your body telling you, dude, that was a little too much, right? You continue to work out and eventually the soreness goes away, but you already started, instead of building adaptability, you're now you're starting to build an injury at some point. Mm -hmm. And what happens is that most people don't recognize that until like six, eight weeks, 12 weeks down the line. So many times we have 
a person that starts and they're feeling good and it's like okay I'm sore it's great and, and, and they're all pumped up about they just signed up for the box they're doing everything and then all of a sudden week six week eight when you start ramping up in, in, in programming then all of a sudden it's like oh I got this little shoulder pain well guess what your body's fairly smart and it'll compensate so that way you stop feeling it and then you think you're fine and then you go on and you do another week and then you do another hard workout again and I was like ooh, now my back hurts all right so then now your body compensates and then you get better and then all of a sudden you don't hurt anymore then 12 weeks down the line you keep ramping up man my shoulder hurts again but this time's really hurting me i can't raise it up above overhead right so then all of a sudden you start getting into a, a condition that you have met multiple injuries because you didn't pay attention way in the beginning or you may only end up with the back pain and somebody's treating your back right but really the issue is at your shoulder mm -hmm. because that's where it originated right mm -hmm. or maybe they didn't originate there maybe it had to do some mobility thing right so just being um the key to that is understanding how to modify especially in the beginning when you have a, somebody new in your box just take care to obviously everybody understands the, the culture in crossfit but it's it's also something that the the newbie has to understand they got to put in the time but also as a coach they need to make sure they make them modify and not try to fit in to the crowd so fast mm -hmm. because of these reasons that we're talking about so modification is people complicate things you know we're always thinking of how to complicate things you know you see all these things on instagram or whatever where it's like the person doing a snatch on like a foam roller with bands tied it's like ridiculous stuff you know and people are like oh i like it and you're like no that's not hard <laughs> like you know what i mean that's that's stupid you know there's no the human body doesn't become resilient doing that right if you want to go to join the circus or something sure <laughs> right it might look cool it might get you some hits but it's not something that's going to be specific to deadlifting heavier mm -hmm. or, you know um, so it's important to, to build time with technique and initially modify. You know, a lot of my CrossFitters that are lacking some mobility, they want to go straight to the bar because everybody else is doing it. And I'm like, well, put the bar down and do kettlebell, right? And that way you don't, you don't need that much mobility, but you can still feel like you're doing a hard workout and building up that resiliency, building up, letting your body adapt. And then it's game over. Then you, then you can continue to move, you know. But really it's just paying attention, just being being present during your workouts and being present after your workouts to see how you're feeling. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like in CrossFit that, like what's your thoughts as far as everything straight plane versus we don't get a whole lot of rotation? Do you feel that's detrimental to us as to be resilient? Or do you, like, what's your thoughts on that? I'm a firm believer that you can do any sport you want, right? You can do CrossFit, you can do, you can do running, you can do whatever. You can play soccer, it doesn't really matter. Um, but ultimately, you want to be able to do the basic human movements, right? You want to be able to get off the ground, you know, you want to be able to run, you want to be able to climb something, crawl, right? Um, and twist, right? So twist and lift things. Anytime that you spend too much time doing one activity and you don't let your body recover, yes, you might become very resilient at doing CrossFit stuff, and then all of a sudden you go and you help your buddies, you know, shovel some snow, even though we're in Florida. I've never seen <laughs> snow, by the way. I've never seen snow. But all of a sudden you're like, hey, help me shovel snow. And then all of a sudden you hurt your back, right? Because you, you never did any rotational mm -hmm. work. Or yep. You never did any functional activity. So uh, many times that's what I tell my athletes to do as a warm-up or as a dynamic warm-up. I'm like, when you're first getting ready to do your specific workout, move your body, move like a human, you know. I have some friends that do animal flow. You ever heard of animal flow? No. So it's just a way, it's, it's like yoga combined with like some gymnastics and break dancing basically, right? So basically they just they just take it and, they, and you go through a flow that builds um, resilient bodies, but also works on just control. Okay. Control, but it's very rotational and everything like that. So it's a, it's cool. a good warm up. 
um, or just in general warm up, you know, but just to throw some twists in there. Mm-hmm. And just go straight to the sagittal plane, or frontal plane, and all these different things. Cool. Now let's talk about runners. We get people that run in the same shoes all the time, and then we get these debates on what types of shoes people should be on. And what also came to mind on this too is when I was running on, we had this conversation with a colleague the other day about running surfaces and changing up surfaces and this and that and the other. Well, then I was running on the beach and a certain area was a little more slanted than than others. And I was like, I was running, I was like, this isn't ideal, but I'll turn around and then I'll reverse it. So we're good. And so it just got me thinking about, you know, this whole like adaptability and how we adapt to those surfaces when we're running. So. Let's dive into that a little bit on, you know, how do we vary the surfaces? How do we vary what we do when we're running? And I would love if you shared the example of the running shoes that you were talking about the other oh, day. Yeah. Or the, not running shoes, but the shoes. The shoes, yeah. <laughs> well, so, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm known as the running guy where I, where, where I live. And so I get a lot of runners. And I'm, it's, it's a constant debate whether it's between the relationships between myself and the shoe store or the relationships between me and the other physical therapist or the relationships between me and the podiatrist or whoever. So I always get somebody coming in and being like, my podiatrist told me that, da, 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 da. and then we have to talk about, that's fine. Like, but if you're trying to build a resilient body like we're talking about today, being human is what? We, we started off barefoot, right, as babies until our parents said, oh, these cute shoes, right? <laughs> But for the most part, if, if, you're, if you think how a human should function in the animal kingdom, it, yes, we are very intelligent and we build all this stuff and technology around us. But really, our, we evolved to be able to climb trees and walk on different services, have hard, sturdy feet, right? So I've treated some Kenyan runners and it's like, holy cow, man, that foot is like solid. And then you, you, know, I, get, you know, I get the guy in game zone. It's like, what is this? You know, no fat pad or anything, right? <laughs> but it's, it's, a, it's a, the ability of a, a, the ability to adapt takes time and, and that's where that debate, it, like it just depends, right? Because if you have somebody that wants to go into barefoot running, for example, they, it's totally fine. But you have people saying, no, it's horrible for you and it's stress fractures, like, no, like, that's BS. Like, if the, the shoes don't hurt the people, people hurt people, <laughs> right? And then people that listen to other people with authority that feel that they have the authority to tell them what to do and don't think about it, also hurt people right so it's really just people hurting people and then just not so much lack of knowledge but lack of thinking and processing because if if you want to go barefoot but ever since your parents put a shoe on you since you were two years old well your body adapted to wearing shoes right so then you're not going to have a very resilient foot right so you, you can take off your, your shoes and you try to walk across i don't know in my house grass and you get a different sensation right you're like ooh especially if like grass is wet or something it it feels different you kind of like have a little reflex action there right or if you have to walk on the hard concrete and you hit a little pebble or something it hurts right and but then you have other people i'm from colombia so i've lived in other places and i've traveled certain parts of the world where people are just walking around barefoot and they're like walking on like pebbles and glass and trash and you're like how the hell are they doing that well they have resilient feet right Mm -hmm. but they've been doing it since they were born right Mm -hmm. whereas here in america we don't do that so we always we also have concrete so we're used to running on concrete and we're used to running with shoes with foam on it, right? And then all of a sudden if we, if we decide to go barefoot and we take off the foam and we get vibrams or we get you know some other thing, then all of a sudden now we hit the concrete again, well your foot wasn't used to that. Mm-hmm. You know, so, um, and vice versa, you know, you could be, you could, you're very consistent with your training, right? But then running in the grass, I mean, I'm sorry, running in the sand this weekend, mm-hmm. you might've been like, man, my, my, my 
have a little soreness in my lower leg. I know that happened to me. I went running, and, I, and usually I do some trail run, but I just went barefoot on the sand, and mm-hmm. it was mushy and uneven and yeah. everything. And, like, man, my lower leg was sore. I was like, yep, you know, and, like, the body, you know, the, it's just different. Your, little, your feet get sore, right? Because it's not used to it. So that's adaptability. Definitely test your feet out. Like, walk around barefoot. Go on a, go, go on a trail walk. Don't try to run in the trail at first. Go for a nice walk and everything and just wear thinner shoes. But, like, don't just go all out on the beginning because that's not adaptability. You know, that's basically an injury waiting to happen. Mm-hmm. For someone who's been working out for a long time and now so you have, you know, get some r- the aches and pains, nothing real injury-wise. As a clinician, as a coach, what do you focus on as far as helping them to be more resilient in general? So, well, part of that is being resilient is also being smart about it, right? But also understanding that as we're also putting on miles. So I'm in my 40s, right? And I've been an athlete my whole life. Even though I still move and I do things, like, guess what? I'm 40. So now the (laughs) knee, the ACL that I've had three surgeries on, you know, the knee and, and, and my back and so yes, I keep myself in shape, but it's also like, ooh, now you feel it, right? Because it's a cumulative effect of these injuries and your body compensating. So it wasn't until I knew how to peel back the, the layers, right? To get back to the source and then treat that and then make that resilient again, right? All you're dealing with is compensation over time, then eventually your body runs out, you know? And mm-hmm. then, then that's when you're like, my knee is wore out or, or I can't do this, right? So the goal is to Recognize what were you doing 20 years ago and what injuries you had 20 years ago or 15 years ago and then work on those like your, your, your body Yeah, you might not feel the pain there anymore But that is still going to be the source of some pain that you will have at some point So just address it again because most people don't don't rehab properly. They never mm-hmm. they did They're like, okay, we're done and they just move on So it's very important to continue with building that resilient body and being consistent in the load of that you know i don't know how i don't know where you live people are like seasonal but some people Mm -hmm. are like yeah i joined the gym january yeah and then they work hard work hard then they get some injury and then they give it up and then they come back again i gotta get in shape for the beach in florida and you know what i mean and all this stuff right Mm -hmm. so so that that seasonal thing your body's just adapting and then it just then you slack off because you sit on your couch watching Mm -hmm. netflix and then you're like oh i I feel fat so let me go ahead and get back in the box your body doesn't like that you know the body likes the consistency and so everybody everybody you know just you gotta you gotta just follow this girl right here because she's the most consistent person (laughs) just a little bit and i love that you brought up the whole injuries 15 20 years ago because most people don't realize that it is those injuries 15 20 years ago that show up years later maybe in the same area or maybe in a different Different area area. because of compensations but the body is amazing at adapting and anything that wasn't rehabbed properly whether it's a mobility issue a strength issue just movement pattern issue it's going to show up eventually again exactly well that goes back like taking it back to modifications it's important to as a coach or as an athlete to recognize like you know how can i modify these things you know how can i modify something even if it's just the load or it could be the range of motion that you take your body into or i mean there's so many different things don't try to force it just because you saw somebody that can do it fully right let's say in yoga downward dog i've never been able to do a downward dog i'm like i can't touch my my shins basically right so i'm not i can't compare myself to them so i modify but like well let me just put my hands on the couch you know but so just understanding that you you there's ways to bring it back a little bit so that way you can eventually start building your body your body basically ultimately just wants to feel safe Mm -hmm. right and as long as it feels feels safe even if it's lifting 
500 pounds, right? If it feels safe doing it, then it's gonna do it efficiently. And it's mm -hmm. gonna do it in, in a very powerful way, but also in a very relaxed way, in a very efficient way. So I'm all about efficient movement, efficient lifting, rather than like just doing it, right? Yeah. And, and what does efficiency look like? Well, that's when you, that's when you can say, that's when you can look at the elite, right? You, you, you watch them and they look like flawless. You're like, how the hell did they do that? But every single rep that they did looked amazing. Mm -hmm. And they looked tired, but they didn't, you didn't see them like tense up so much. But, but you still see a flawless uh, movement of the load, right? Mm -hmm. Or a flawless uh, performance of the, of the movement rather than somebody struggling. You know, so I'm sure you've been to some of those where you, where you, you, you watch you watch the games and you're like, man, damn, like, all these people look so amazing, right? Mm -hmm. And you see the, and you can always tell the one that's struggling, uh, that person's done. And they, they, you see one lift, you see the next one, and they're done. And they keep trying, but mm -hmm. it's not efficient, and they're gonna hurt something, right? And you see it in the, in the local boxes. You know, you see the ones that are, the newbies, and they're trying to, and you're just like, oh my gosh, please, somebody tell that person like, jump on the lower box, not the, not the 24 inch <laughs> box. You know, but but it's fun. I mean, keep it fun, but eventually your body just wants to feel safe. And as long as you do that with whatever movement or lift you're doing, then it'll become more and more resilient over time. Awesome. I absolutely love, like, we didn't even talk about this. I use efficient all the time. Use that word when I'm talking to people all the time, when I'm doing things content-wise, because the efficiency is so important. It helps us hit higher weights. It helps us get more reps. It helps us just decrease our energy output Absolutely. because we can move better. So I, I kind of want to dive into this a little bit from two different directions. Going to thinking about the squat. So because if we don't get the right positions, we can't get the power to be efficient with those. And that includes your Olympic lifts. I want to backtrack a little bit and talk about how sitting for long periods of time affects our ability to get to that fold-up squat because well, we shouldn't be sitting <laughs> right you know, step but, one but, but again that's part of being human we're very adaptable but what ends up happening is that we sit most of the time and then we pretend that because we go to the gym for one to two hours and work on our squat that that's really what's gonna make us better well guess what your body got really good at sitting on your ass not <laughs> squatting because that's what you did the other eight hours to you know, eight to 10 hours, right? Understanding that your body, going back to adaptability, your body's very intelligent. It got very adaptable to sitting. Part of efficiency is also not just a movement, it's it's your body wants to be efficient in energy conservation. So it doesn't want to expend more than it, than, than, than it needs to, right? It just wants to stay in homeostasis, it wants to stay balanced, and then it wants to just use the least amount of energy to stay alive, right? If all of a sudden you work your ass off and you do an amazing workout, well, your body wasn't like, yes, thank you so much. Your body's kind of like, what the hell did you just do, right? So as long as you recognize that, you got to recover hard as well, right? And then, of course, you got to eat proper nutrition. So if efficiency it can, can also mean not only the movement sense, but also in like the, the performance phase of things. So if you watch the, the Olympics, that's efficiency. I mean, you see those people lift heavy, huge, I mean, heavy, heavy loads, mm -hmm. and it just looks flawless, right? And we all know it's some heavy stuff, right? So that to me is efficient. But they've been doing it for a very, very long time and their body has adapted to do that and that's their job. So if you sit on your butt all day, your body has says, my job is to sit on my ass, not to squat. So take time throughout your day to squat. Just get off the chair, squat down, go grab onto your door frame and then go into a sitting squat and just sit there for a while, do some breathing and relax in that position and then get back up. I mean, this is, 
taking it a, a little bit of a different direction, but also recognizing that your history of your movement can affect your your efficiency in the present moment. So what do I mean by that? If let's say you grew up in a home where and you're two years old and you're being a kid, you're squatting around everywhere because that's what you do, right? You're picking up all your toys and getting it back up. And every time you're squatting down, you're just having a fun time, right? Or And your parents are like, oh, look at him, he did such a great job. Oh, Santiago, oh, yeah. And, all that stuff. <laughs> and you're like happy baby and you're like super proud of what you're doing, right? That's amazing, right? So your body feels safe. But let's say you're in a home where like they don't do that. You, you have like alcoholic father or mother or something and they're just yelling all the time and you're like not feeling safe and you squat down to like play with your toys and they're yelling don't touch that right and like or maybe every time you squat it down you, you put your butt back is you got whipped in the ass or something right so like your body is has a different sense of safety in that position it sounds weird but there are times that i discuss that with athletes like what was your background like and if there's a sense of like a very stressful situation in the past that could be the treatment does that make sense mm -hmm. because i will say it's almost like you validate it's like because you, you watch them squat and they're like so tense and so like oh right and you're like bro relax like just just sit on your chair and get up you know they're like okay and they like tense up everything and they engage every muscle they got just to like lift a you know 25 pound kettlebell and you're like you should be able to lift that no problem right and then you go back into it and, and you're like well that validates some some, some mm -hmm. movement for them you validate why they can't be efficient you know and um and honestly i've helped many athletes just get over that become more efficient because now they understand oh shoot like i didn't recognize that my history could be affecting the mm -hmm. way i move today it happens with in the pt world car accidents right mm -hmm. you know we get people that have come in with neck pain and and it's like my neck's not getting any better and then you do your magic and then they're like oh i feel so much better and then they get back in the car and then they're like oh because they're back in their unsafe car or, or they're in the environment where they got you know injured you know so as long as uh, you explain that to the client I'm like, well, now when you get in the car, I want you to do some breathing so you can get your system down and get calmed down. And now you have an awareness that, hey, look, when you're in your car, did you tense up? Oh, shoot, I did. All right. So now they have an awareness. Now, they, now they're in charge of their, their injury for the mm -hmm. most part, right? So it's, I'm more about educating and making them make the connection of why it is that they're not moving efficiently. Yeah. And I think that's huge to bring up from that stressor standpoint, but also thinking about what traumatic injuries have they had in the past and what are they doing or what are they afraid of when it comes to that because those fears also play into a lot of these movement patterns as well absolutely you know simple thing like you hurt your back when you were you know 20 and then now you're 40 trying to lift something or your body remember that 20 year old injury right mm -hmm. so just recognizing that there's many factors that can affect your body being efficient so then it can so it can adapt so then it can become resilient so there's you know, those are the three main factors, but if you don't get it balanced to begin with, and I don't mean like mobility work, I just mean by like, hey, getting it moving efficiently and fluidly and safely, mm -hmm. right? Then the other ones are going to be your body will compensate and down the line, you either won't be able to perform at the level that you want, or you might start saying, seeing something hurt or something like mm -hmm. that. So. Awesome. I want to switch gears a little bit and talk nutrition but i want to just kind of stick to one area because nutrition can be very vast so i want to talk more about the recovery and decreasing risk of injury side of nutrition and those things that we can do to help our bodies recover better after we work out or between workouts so we aren't keeping that inflammation in our bodies and so that the body's healing itself better so what are the things that i know what i suggest typically but when you're working with your 
either injured athlete or just athlete in general, what are some things that you suggest them to do nutrition-wise for this purpose? Most important thing I usually talk about is hydration. Like we are in good quality water. You know what I mean? Just drink lots of water. Don't put your little sugary packet in it because I don't like how water tastes. I'm like, water doesn't taste like anything, right? If it tastes like something, then like put it through a Berkey water filter <laughs> and then get all the crap that's in it out of it so you can actually drink water that tastes like nothing, right? Because uh, that's what it's supposed to taste like nothing. <laughs> So yeah, there's so many, there's so much out there, guys, when it comes to like sports drinks and recovery drinks and like all this supplements and everything. And it can be overwhelming, really, you just need water. And then to simplify things, you just need real food. You know, you need you need something that come, grows out of like good soil and then you need something that gets sunshine, not in a greenhouse. And then you need a happy cow, the one that like got named and is out there eating grass and having a good life, right? And it's enjoying life. Well, like the maybe, the, the kids will cry when, when Bertha goes to the slaughterhouse, right? But, but at least it's something that, that uh, you're, you're consuming something that is real, but also support like your local farmers. And, you know, it's very important because know where your food is coming from and you're also supporting the hard work that they're putting in. And I, and I know it's hard because people are like, oh, I don't have time. I'm like, well, you only have one body you know so like why not if you if you say you don't have time that's just bs but everybody has the same amount of time mm-hmm. right so it's just a matter of cherish your body because you only have one and be aware of where your food is coming from and it's got to be coming from either an animal that you're eating or something that's growing out of good soil right i mean i know it can be complicated because there's so many com- uh, so many supplements and things like mm-hmm. that but i usually just say just stick to that maybe eat within the seasons and um, if you need any, any, anything out of a package, then just read the ingredients and make sure that it maybe it doesn't have, that you can actually pronounce what it says in the back. Yes. Right? Yes. If it's like, oh, look, it's a, it's a protein bar, and you read the back, and you have no idea what the hell it's saying, <laughs> right? But if you get one and it says, like, you know, I don't know, peanut butter, banana, you know, and just the less ingredients it has, the better. And also, if you can pronounce them, perfect. If you don't know what they are, put it down and get something else. I don't care how amazing the marketing is and how cool the packaging is. That's exactly what I say. I'm like, if I can't go to the store and buy every single ingredient and create it, if I knew the ratios, I'm not buying it. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And it's important. Again, you only have one body. So just listen to it, cherish it, eat it, the right food, you know, and but also be aware. Let's say if you are going to think about where the food that you're eating is coming from, like where was what was that environment like? If you're eating the cow that's super stressed from the moment it is born because it got taken away from, you know what I mean? Like you're eating all that. You, do you want to eat a diabetic cow? No, I don't want to eat a diabetic cow. Like, you know what I mean? I want to eat like a healthy, happy cow, right? I don't want to eat. The, the poor diabetic cow putting i mean if we're if we're cannibals i mean think about that like would yeah. you rather eat the healthy looking person over there or the the really sick looking person over there i'm like i want to eat that healthy looking person over there that's really funny about that so in high school one of our one of our lit classes we had to read the book alive okay and my friend she's like no offense but i'd eat you first yep, exactly. I, know I was like um thank you Brienne's beef jerky. (laughs) (laughs) It was funny. Subbing up real fast what someone can do right now today to help themselves become more resilient. Become more resilient? Slow down. I like it. Slow down. Just pay attention to, just just listen, but just slow down and assess where you're at and assess how you're moving and be aware of how you're moving. Just, if, if you, if you own the movement, if you can do it like ninja style, like freaking stealth ninja slow-mo style and you look like a badass then you can move on to doing more intense stuff but until then like back yourself up and and slow down 
I like it. I like it. Well, Santi, if someone wants to reach out to you, talk to you, how can they find you? Well, I'm on Instagram. At, uh, well, I'm on Facebook, Santi Villamil, and on Instagram, Santi the Physio Sensei. Awesome. Santi, thank you so much for your time. I'm so excited to get you on here, and I think you shared a lot of good information with my listeners. Thank you. You're amazing. And that concludes this episode of Highly Functional. I truly appreciate the time you spend to listen to myself and my colleagues share with you how to become highly functional individuals and how to be highly functional individuals. If you learned great information from this, I would love for you to share it with your friends and help them become highly functioning individuals as well. Until next time, go out and be highly functional.